You're listening to the Misty Creek Community Church Podcast. To learn more about Misty Creek Community Church, visit our website at mistycreekchurch.org. Today's message is from Senior Pastor Stephen Street. So we're living on borrowed time. Did you know that? In the over 3,100 years of recorded world history, the world has only been at peace 8% of the time. 8% of the time for a total of 286 years, and 8,000 treaties have been made and broken. On any given day, soldiers are firing in 30 or 40 nations. Wars of liberation, territorial disputes, religious disputes, religious principles. One man's freedom fighter is another's terrorist, the saying goes. But the common denominator is death, day in and day out. I wonder if the Apostle Paul ever felt that way. Probably. After all, he lived in a scary world himself. No nuclear nightmares, but just about every other kind. Listen to what he says, and you've heard this before. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 24 through 28. He says this, and I believe we have it up on the screen for you. Five times I have received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I received a stoning. Three times I was shipwrecked. For a night and a day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, danger from bandits, danger from my own people, danger from the Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers and sisters, in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, hungry and thirsty, often without food, cold and naked. And besides other things, I am under daily pressure because of my anxiety for all the churches. Woo! And you thought you had a lot going on. But Paul had something to get him through. Something that every Christian has if we only allow ourselves the luxury. Paul had the certain and sure conviction that he was not alone in this scary world. And that the Lord who loved him and gave himself on the cross would not leave him to fend for himself. This promise had come from Jesus' own lips. He says in John 14, 25 through 27, I have said these things to you while I am still with you. But the Holy Spirit, the one that the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. My peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not what? Be afraid. Jesus said that. And yes, I left out one important word, one which describes the work of the Holy Spirit. Depending on your translation, it might be advocate, comforter, encourager. You see, the Holy Spirit speaks to us on behalf of Jesus. Jesus sent the Holy Spirit. He said he was, and he did. The Holy Spirit helps us remember the continuing presence of this Jesus who promised to be with us always. How is he going to be with us always, Stephen? The Holy Spirit, that's how. No, Jesus isn't going to be like, here I am. But he's with you through the promise of the Holy Spirit. He's with you this morning. He's here with us. He's in each one of us that's here this morning and watching online. He's very active. He's very alive. Does Pentecost still happen today? Yes, it does. We experienced this morning in worship a mighty rushing wind. 
I heard you. Whoa, 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 a mighty rushing wind. You sang it with gusto because you believe it. And it's more than a feeling. You've been captivated by it. You have an encourager. You have a comforter. You have an advocate. You have a parakletos, closer than a brother or a sister. And he's right beside you this morning. He is here. He is present in real time. You see, the Holy Spirit helps us hear Jesus. Ever think about that? And if you're in the chaos of the busyness of the world, then it's hard to hear that still small voice, the Holy Spirit, speaking to you, encouraging you, prompting you, so that you can hear the voice of Jesus, reminding you of all these things that he has taught. What is Jesus saying? It's that wonderful word of peace. My peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Basically, if you wanted to summarize that, Stephen, Kim, Keith, Emmanuel, Lori, Mike, Jesus is saying, I got this. I got it. I'm big enough. I can handle it. Trust me. Unleash it. Let it go. I will catch you when you fall. But you know, peace is just what we need in this scary world. It's scary, isn't it? I mean, when Jeff got up here and he shared that story, it came back to our memory real quick, didn't it? A shooting like that. All these shootings, all this violence, all this stuff going on around us, folks. It is a scary world. Jesus is talking about peace. We're like, well, I wish we had some, Jesus. But that's not all that Jesus says. He may have other words as well. Think about this brief account that we have in the text today of the Apostle Paul's mission trip to Philippi. Just before we overhear the story about Paul's vision and the call to come over to Macedonia and help us, we find an intriguing few verses describing the missionary journey. So this little band of people is comprised of Paul and Silas and Timothy and eventually Dr. Luke. And whoever knows, I don't know who else, but there's other people as well. They have been traveling overland through what is now modern-day Turkey. We refer to it back in the old days as Asia Minor. It's like modern-day Turkey, okay? They arrive at the port city of Troas on the Aegean Sea, but only after some detours. So here it is again. They went through the region of Pergia. Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia, when they had come the opposite Mysia, they attempted to go to Bithia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went to Troas. Did you note that? Forbidden by the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. Yes, the Spirit offers the needed word of peace, but the Spirit also provides directions. Has that ever happened to you? It happens all the time, doesn't it? It happened to me right after I was finishing nine years of ministry, this wet-behind-the-ears youth and leisure minister from 1993 to like 2002. I was serving this church. It's the same church that my daughter is serving right now in a brand-new role. I don't even know the name of it. She started out as the director of elementary children and family ministries, and now she's been promoted. It's even a bigger title. 
I was like, man, that's a short time. It, it took me forever to move from being the director of youth and leisure ministries to become the senior associate. Yeah, whatever that meant. That meant I was still doing youth and leisure and young adult on the sports ministry, the senior adults, and still plunging the toilet downstairs because it never would work. And it still doesn't work today. It's one of the old bathrooms down there. They still have an issue with it. You would think. Anyway, I won't go any further with that. <laughs> I'm sorry I didn't get a witness in here about that back bathroom that's lower. You know what one I'm talking to? You ever go down there like, man, when are they going to fix that thing? It's fixed, finally. Just keep praying. Just keep praying that it continues to work. Yes. But let's not get off on that right now. And so... I was so young. I mean, I had just finished undergraduate school. I had gotten a job with this real estate company called Fleet Funding, and I was getting ready to go to law school. I already had taken, you know, the exam and everything, and I was going, and this Clemson fan was going to go to the University of South Carolina. Scott, who would ever thought that? And so that's where I was going to go. I was going to have this amazing career. And then God had different plans he called me to go and be this, this director of this youth and leisure ministry. It turned into be a beautiful thing. Not only did I go and serve in Greer, South Carolina, and leave my family, the only family I've ever known. I was an only child. I was young. I had to tell my mom and dad, guess what? I'm not going to law school. Instead, I'm going to make, and I can't even tell you what I made. You, would, you, couldn't, you folks couldn't make it a week on what I made in a year there. I, was, I don't know how I did it. I had enough money to save and even bought our first little starter house. And uh, isn't this interesting? The first starter house that we lived in was off Scuffletown Road in Simpsonville, South Carolina, near Malden, where Kevin Garnett is from, by the way, if you know who he is. And guess the subdivision that we lived in. This is in Simpsonville, South Carolina. Dunwoody Oaks <laughs> was the name of the subdivision. We loved our little starter home. Melody was born there. I had a basketball goal, a great driveway. We had Yard of the Month like every month. I've been living in Spalding Glen now for four years. I've not gotten it one time. But anyway, it's another story for another time. Maybe Kerry Dodd can do something about that. He lives in my neighborhood. Probably Martha could. Um, and so I remember that. And that basketball goal was still there, folks. It's still there. And then wouldn't you know it, God changed the directions on me again, and he called me to come to Dunwoody, Georgia. I'm living in Dunwoody Oaks. And he calls me to come to Dunwoody, Georgia, to be the senior associate and director of youth ministries. I, didn't, I hadn't even heard of Dunwoody, Georgia. I didn't know it existed. I'd never even been to Atlanta except to take youth groups to Whitewater, Atlanta, which at the time was the number 10 water park in the United States. I think it's like 30th now. Go figure. But anyway, I'd never been here, and God called us to come and serve there. We thought probably for a few years, and then we returned back to South Carolina to our home. That's where we love being. You know, we got a little teeny, teeny cabin up there, and we were just going to be there. Five years turned into almost 10 years. 10 years. And then in 2011, right when the recession hit, y'all remember that? God had plans to send me to be a senior minister at a church in Varnell, Georgia. I had never heard of Varnell, Georgia. You probably hadn't either. Tunnel Hill, maybe. Dalton is what you've heard of, the carpet capital of the world. In 1979, they had more millionaires per capita than any place in the United States. But when 2011 hit, everything crashed. 
And it became, Whitfield County became the poorest county in the state of Georgia. Murray County, the county on the other side, was the second poorest county. Highest teenage pregnancy rate. I can give you all the statistics, meth usage, all that stuff. It was the highest in the state. A tough place to serve, but it ended up being some of the most glorious years that we'd ever had. We operated a food pantry out of that church that fed hundreds of people. And they came every week, and we had a service with them in the hallway of the church. It was a beautiful thing. We had a huge backyard. We had a pond. SJ was in heaven. It had small bass in it, but you know, you got to start somewhere. He had a four-wheeler. He had a place to ride the four-wheeler. We moved to Atlanta. We're like, son, sorry, we got to get rid of the four-wheeler. It's been the saddest day of his life ever since. We even had a boat back then. You know, can't have a boat. So anyway, so we're there and we're serving and God is doing great things. Moving right along. And then we get another call. Clayton First United Methodist Church in Rabin County. Up where Lake Rabin is and Lake Burton. That's a beautiful area. That Clayton area is gorgeous. And that also put us about an hour away from some of our family, which we thought, man, South Carolina's just down the road. North Carolina's just down the road. This is great. This is good. Clayton First, the city church, they had a county seat. They had no pastor. And seemingly, I was their prospect. It's a historic church. Having been in existence since 1851, it had been the spiritual home of many distinguished leaders of both church and state. Many former football coaches and players would attend there. People from Georgia Power that had retired to move up there were attending the church. But in recent years, the church had fallen on hard times. Families had moved away. Remaining members were aging quickly. It was retirement community, but people were going back and forth to Atlanta and moving back to, for their doctors and all that kind of thing, and finances were slim. The church didn't even really know what their budget was. But they had a summertime ministry that offered a weekly outdoor worship service for vacationers at the local lake. Folks gathered at a boathouse, and they hoped for dry weather. Seating was in lawn chairs. People sat on the bank. People were out in their boats. It was amazing. To make a long story short, the few months that we spent there, and it was only like three months that we were there, God blessed us and the church tremendously. It wasn't really anything that we were doing. I remember the, the first week I was there, I went to Main Street Clayton, which you've ever been. They've got some wonderful shops there. I went into every single business, including Reeves Hardware. It's the biggest hardware company in that area. Went into every single business, and I took a tumbler cup. You know what a tumbler cup is? With my business card, and I met every business owner and the people there. And I got to eat at Clayton Cafe for free for doing that. That was great. I got to know the people. I went into the high schools and the middle schools and started visiting everybody in the church, and I got the whole role done, the whole roster done in less than two months. Everybody in the church. And the church started growing. Immediately, the membership jumped 25%. Worship participation, it doubled a huge increase in the church budget, an increase in benevolent giving and missions. The Lakeside Ministry went from an average attendance of 100 in the first few weeks to well over 200 on a regular basis. And on July the 4th, Sunday, over 300 in attendance while we were serving them communion, getting to the boats on jet skis and kayaks and your favorite, paddle boards. You ever done a paddle board? Got to have good balance for that. Never seen anything like that. God was doing great things. But just within a few minutes, the worst nightmare of my entire ministry came. It was horrible. I was going to have to leave 
the church. And they, they loved us. They were like, what are you doing? Why are you leaving? Had to leave. We could have stayed. Could have worked some things out. But with everything that was going on, we decided to leave. Leave the denomination all together. A denomination, a church that I had been a part of my whole life, that I had served in for over 25 years. My father-in-law had been a pastor in, at that time, 50-some years. Ended up being 55 years. That was tough. But God had a different direction for us. The Holy Spirit was moving in a mighty way. And it's during that that nine-month period of time in my wilderness, being wounded, I chose to lean more into God than I ever had before. I said, the God, the only way I'm going to make it through this is surrendering fully to you and your Holy Spirit because I can't do this alone. I don't want to live. I'm done. But you're not, and I know you called me, and I know you have a purpose and a plan. And all it took was God to cause my cell phone to ring with people like Sally and Kenneth Obley, Teresa and Bruce Duff, And then this amazing phone call with Doug Allen that led to a one-on-one together at Starbucks here in Dunwoody. That's a holy place, by the way. (laughs) It is. I don't even drink coffee, but I go in there sometimes just because the Spirit's there. It's It's an anointed place. I'm sure it's in the other Starbucks, too, but that particular one... I could tell you story after story where I have counseled teenagers and young people and premarital counseling in that Starbucks, and God has showed up. I don't drink coffee. I usually just have a cake pop while they're drinking coffee. And Doug, within a minute or two, we knew that God was doing something miraculous, that he was leading us to do something that was more than we could ever ask or imagine. And we didn't really know at the time, but it was Doug asking me, And I know the Spirit was moving through him. He just said, hey, man, would you come over to the Menifee house? Basically what he said. And he just said, would you teach us? He didn't say, come preach, come sing, anything like that. He said, just come teach us. And I knew about Doug. I knew he was a phenomenal musician, but I had no idea the anointing that he had on him. But I did that day. I knew it, and I sensed it. So the brand-new direction And I could spend a lot of time telling you this story. A lot of you know that story. You need to know that story. You need to be able to share the story of what God did in that Starbucks, in that home, that Menifee home, that led us to where we are now, folks. The Holy Spirit has always provided direction in my life. Even when I thought He wasn't there, He was there, He was working. He was watching and observing me to see how I would respond to this journey in the wilderness. And I did a whole sermon series on that. I'm not going to go back to that. But he was watching. Will you remain obedient? Will you trust me? I'm in control, he was telling me. I'm writing your story. Just hold on because the ride is going to be, and I'm going to use a young person's phrase for that. It's going to be fire. That's so fire. That's a new thing now. It's so fire. Awesome. That's old. That's archaic. You don't use that word anymore. A lot of you still use it. Cool. Way out of style. (laughs) Bodacious. You need to be Sean Penn to say that. Okay? He always does that, folks. When we trust him 
As the song says, trust and obey. There's no other way than to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. And there may be detours along the way. You may be on a detour right now. But let me tell you this. Those detours, those ups and downs, when you want life just to be smooth, it's in those detours, in those low times, where God really reveals who he is. And that's when he's watching. He's waiting and he's listening. And he would say to you, just as he told the prophet Isaiah, for those who wait, for those who hope in the Lord, I will renew their strength. And they shall mount up with wings like eagles and they shall soar. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not grow faint. Wait. Hope, trust, it leads to peace. It makes sense, doesn't it? Not the peace that the world offers because there is no peace in the world. Only 8% of our country's or world's 3,100 years of existence have we had peace, folks. And most would say there's not peace right now. Paul experienced many details in his ministry. He was never embarrassed about the spread of the gospel in Europe. After all, his plan had been to preach and teach in the opposite direction. But the call came to cross over from Turkey into Greece, and that began a a missionary outreach that changed the course of Western civilization. Do you realize that, folks? Paul is just going to keep it within a little small area. You know, it's easy to do that in the church. Oh, I like the size of our church is. You know, we got a nice little area here that we can influence. The young people were telling us last night, man, we got to broaden our borders, open our horizons, and do what Christ would do. That's exactly right. Right. You may be questioning, why y'all going to Ecuador? He says, go ye therefore into the world, make disciples, baptizing them in my name. That's what he says. So we're going. We're going. And he's going to be with us. Did you know that Paul had no idea that his letters would be kept or recorded. Matter of fact, he wasn't that successful in the beginning of his ministry. Very few people came to know Jesus while he was still living. And all this writing and all this stuff he's doing, he's, most of the time he's in prison, he's in chains, he's shackled, he's been stoned. You, you heard me read all about the stuff he was going through. And yet, three-quarters of the Word of God that you and I read, Paul wrote... Think about that for a moment. God did that through him in prison, and shackled and and chained. Wow. Do you need some direction in your life? Do you? The Holy Spirit can give you that direction. The Holy Spirit is the voice of truth. The Holy Spirit is the voice of Jesus. will help you to hear that voice that will motivate you and challenge you to step forward into your calling, into your purpose. I know a lot of you read self-help books and you like certain authors and all, but the greatest self-help, the greatest author is the Prince of Peace. He offers you wisdom. He offers you knowledge. He has many gifts to give you. I preached 
two weeks on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. He wants to give those to you. When the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost, he had an armload of them. Started throwing them out there and giving them out. He wants you to, to receive those gifts. See, the giver of every good and perfect gift is the Father of lights. And he wants to ignite within you that ember that might be barely, barely burning because you've been giving in to your feelings and your circumstances. When he says, trust me, and I'll take you places you never thought possible, even in your treatments, even in your therapy, even at your mundane, boring, mediocre job, glorify me. Tell others about me, and you can enjoy me right now. Your life does not have to be ho-hum any longer. Every breath that I take, may it bring glory to you, God. With every breath, with every step, with every work of my hands, the toils of my labor, I will give you glory. And I will let others see you in me. And that's Paul's whole thesis. That's his whole thing. So as we come to the table today, it is Holy Communion Sunday. We have an open table here. What that means is Holy Communion is open to all of you. All of you who desire to let go and let God. To repent of your sins and say, I want to follow you, Jesus. I want to serve you. He invites you to come to his table. You're the guest of honor. You may say, I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough. You're not on your own, but with him, you are. And as they sang in the song earlier, you're more than conquerors with Jesus Christ. So on the night in which he was to be betrayed, Jesus had a meal with his disciples. We commonly refer to it as the Eucharist. That's a really fancy word. Holy Communion, the Lord's Supper. And we feed on the food and drink of the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is what makes this relevant. This bread and this juice aren't the literal body and blood of Christ, but they represent the body and blood of Christ. And when we partake of these elements, we're indeed partaking in the suffering and the crucifixion that Christ went through. We are, in essence, like Christ, we're dying on that cross too, leaving our old selves there, and he's cleansing us and renewing us and resurrecting us to be the people that he's called us to be. We are Easter people, children of the resurrection. You see, the disciples around the table that night, they didn't get all of that. It's later when the Holy Spirit comes upon them that they begin to realize and truly understand what Jesus' teachings were all about. It's radical humility and service. Washing people's feet, taking them a meal, visiting them in the hospital, going to the prisons and providing people care in the prisons, praying for folks that you don't even know, that you've never even met at Power Hour, coming to a funeral yesterday and you didn't even know the lady that passed, but you wanted to be there because you were a member of Misty Creek and you wanted to support that family. Folks, that's what it's about. And that's what Jesus came to teach us. Let's pray. Almighty, most amazing and holy God, you are so fire. And we thank you for raining down your presence upon us. We're in this season of Pentecost, and so it's appropriate to use this language. We ask that you would send forth your Holy Spirit 
upon this bread and upon this juice. Make them be for us representative of the body and blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. And Lord, we ask for your Holy Spirit, that same Holy Spirit that was with Jesus at his baptism, that same Holy Spirit that resurrected Jesus from the dead, that power would rain down upon us right now and fill us and remove our inadequacies and our unworthiness and not being good enough to know that each one of us in here are made worthy by the stripes and the blood and the pain of Jesus. Thank you for redeeming and saving us. And Lord, we take just a moment to surrender anything that's keeping us from you. Forgive us for falling short of who you created us to be. Whatever it is, you can name it to him silently. Let him take it and cast it in the depths of the sea. I have no authority, but Jesus does. So in the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Amen. We hope you were inspired by today's message. For more sermons from Misty Creek Community Church, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you like to stream your podcasts. You can also watch videos of our sermons and complete services on the Misty Creek Community Church YouTube channel. And while you're there, be sure to like, subscribe, and hit the notification bell. For more information about our church, including our mission, location, service times, and more, visit our website at mistycreekchurch.org. God bless you, and thank you for listening.